This podcast episode is powered by Afropods, the world's number one podcasting platform for African stories. where we turn our broken hallelujahs into melody lines of impact and I am your host Lydia Gargo. Today with the new year in full swing we'll be discussing living well specifically in segment one what it means to live well, segment two how we live well and segment three the benefits of living well. To help us uncover this topic, I am delighted to welcome Dr. Karen Botchway. Dr. Botchway is a graduate of the Prairie View A&M University outside Houston, Texas. She studied medicine at the Bowman Gray School of Medicine at Wake Forest University in North Carolina. Did her residency in the University of Texas Health Science Center in Houston and has practiced general internal medicine in Houston, Atlanta, and is currently practicing in Chicago. Dr. Bartry has been married for 28 years and is the mother of two sons. In her free time, she enjoys reading and traveling with her family. She loves two things, chocolate and the beach. Welcome, Dr. Bachway. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really happy to be here. Great. The topic we are talking about today is wellness. And wellness is a very, very important part of our lives. And it's something that we all strive to do better. However, we all recognize what a challenge that is. And I'm hoping that uh, during the podcast, we'll be able to provide our listeners with very simple and practical ways of living life. I actually came across a quote recently and it says, wellness is not a medical fix, but a way of living a lifestyle sensitive and responsive to all the dimensions of body, mind, and spirit. An approach to life we each design to achieve our highest potential for well-being now and forever. And this is by Greg Anderson. Any thoughts on that? Oh, I I agree completely. Um, I do encounter people who think uh, often that a pill will make them feel better and uh, people who struggle with looking internally or looking at themselves and examining their lives to find a solution for what ails them. But I I completely agree that um, there's a link with the spirit and the mind and the body and you can't have just a healthy body and not address the other two. So I, I definitely do agree with that. What would you say as a practitioner are some of the things that affect how people live well? Well, um, I would say, um, first of all, I do find that um, in, in society, even with the pandemic, uh, slowing things down currently, a lot of people actually don't take time to be alone. I think it's really important to have time uh, free from distractions, definitely free from technology and electronics, and just time with your own mind. That time, I feel, will kind of give you an opportunity to do some uh, introspection. You might realize you're actually exhausted, and what you need to do is get some more sleep. 
or you might realize that you know there's something on your mind that's been affecting your interactions with others. Um, and it's just a great opportunity to kind to, to do a, a look at your own self. And oftentimes you will be led to what really is ailing you. So as a practitioner, you're human. What would you say has been the greatest challenge for you in moving forward to live well? Oh, uh, I, I definitely think it is information overload, right? Um, I feel like I get, uh, in my practice, you know, I don't just see sick people, but the majority of my practice has to do with uh, the physical health. And it is learning to leave work at work and coming home and trying not to focus on the negative, right? The news isn't really news, it's bad news. They never really tell much good news. And if you're surfing the internet, reading articles, you're always presented with these negative articles that talk about such negativity. So um, I, I feel that that is, is the challenge is, is living positively and in a frame of mind that, you know, I can just avoid all this information coming at me from friends. You know, I, I was just doing a, a survey of, of my telephone conversations recently. And a lot of them immediately turned to the bad. You know, did you hear this? Did you, it's, it's never, did you hear this great news? It's, did you hear how this horrible thing happened? Oh my goodness. So I, I feel like it's controlling the information that's coming at me and getting time to just not take in a lot of negativity. I, I realize that sometimes even with wellness, you've talked a little bit about physical, social, emotional. Right. What about the spiritual aspect of wellness? I would say personally, I do try to weave that into my life throughout the day. I can't necessarily say that there is one particular time that I'm just focusing on the spiritual. I have not attended church in person um, for some time, primarily because of the pandemic rules. Um, I was a regular attender before the pandemic. And I try to make it seamless in terms of uh, there's a podcast I listen to in the mornings on my way to work. And I do a solo church service, which is, you know, it's an oxymoron because church really does involve other people. But I do a ch solo church service in terms of I listen to a sermon from one of the speakers that I do enjoy. Um, I do make time to listen to music that's uplifting and biblical. And I will say uh, there are many diseases that I've encountered that are really the result of uh, spiritual problems. So I do recognize that being in touch with God and praying and being in his word is part of general health uh, because there are many diseases that can manifest you know, headaches and depression and stomach aches and that sort of thing as a result of a spiritual problem. I'm not saying that all those things are a result, not all depression is due to that, but um, I do know that the spiritual life being out of alignment can result in some of those symptoms. So for me, the, the change that has come around as a result of the pandemic is to try to weave spirituality or biblical information, whether it's a speaker or the Bible or music into my everyday life, because I can't count on small group get togethers and um, church quite as much.
Okay. I was just wondering though, as a practitioner with different patients coming to see you, especially with the pandemic going right. on, what has been your chief complaint from your patients and patients. what advice have you given them to help them navigate through whatever the stresses are? I would say, I, I can't say it's the chief complaint, but the complaint that has seen the greatest increase recently is anxiety and depression. The isolation in terms of, uh, I do see uh, primarily elderly people and uh, they're not in physical contact with their friends or they've lost a lot of their friends. Uh, a lot of them, their family in an attempt to keep them safe are staying away. And so they're not in touch with family either. And so there's a lot of loneliness from that point of view. A lot of uh, elderly people, their church used to be their main social outlet and they're not getting together anymore for choir and Bible study, that sort of thing. So uh, there is a lot of that. And particularly for the people who are watching the news all the time and uh, reading a lot of, on the internet, it just causes a lot of anxiety because they're taking in a lot of this information that is just really playing on their emotions. I actually encourage them to stay in touch in a safe way. Um, I live in Chicago, so the weather isn't conducive to sitting outside, but um, I do encourage those who are vaccinated and boosted to get outside and meet with their friends outside where it's safest. Um, I do encourage people to form a little social pod, you know, maybe one or two other people who you can trust to have taken precautions themselves, who you can get together with indoors with a mask. So I do encourage them to do that. I also try to encourage them to stay in touch with some of the routines or keep up some of the routines that they're accustomed to doing. Um, so, you know, if you can't have a big Sunday dinner with your extended family, maybe eat your dinner, but then, you know, try to learn how to do the Zoom. A lot of my, uh, Elderly patients are pretty savvy, so they are getting on Zoom and FaceTime and that sort of thing. So I do try to encourage them to find other ways to socialize. And um, I do ask them to meditate or pray. I do see people of many different religions and, and some who don't believe, but I do encourage them uh, to have some quiet time, to do some meditation, uh, to listen to some quiet music without words, um, and for those who believe to, to spend some time in prayer. Yeah, just still with wellness, what about the eating factor? I mean, we all have our struggles with eating. You've right. the social, emotional, and the spiritual element. Right. About the eating factor, because I do realize that I think with the pandemic, a lot of people are staying home a lot. Right. And I remember when I was in, uh, when I was working in Kroger at some time in my life, that the pop was literally flying off the shelves people yeah. were just ODing on sugar and so we we are still in the pandemic but things are not where they were before so what advice would you give to our listeners as a way of just you know transitioning out of this negative cycle that we all got comfortable in correct, correct. to taking steps to move forward Right. Um, I mean, I am also guilty of that. Food is not just nutrition to most of us, mm -hmm. right? It's comfort. So when we're feeling lonely um, or depressed, um, it's something that we reach for. And you know what? It gives us a temporary fix. 
We feel better if we've eaten some comfort food, although it's very short lived. And for many of us, food was the answer we were taught for many things, right? So if we're celebrating, we celebrate with food. Um, so you can't have a celebration without food when actually you can. If we've done something good or you know, you're proud of yourself, you treat yourself to a wonderful meal or something sugary because that is how you treat yourself when there are many, many other things we can do to celebrate our wins in life. So I do just try to bring people's awareness to the fact that there is something in us that makes us crave sugary foods, foods with added sugar, not just during the winter, but also when our emotions are low, uh, when we're stressed, that sort of thing. And, you know, I, I encourage them not to beat themselves up for reaching for this because we wouldn't reach for it if it didn't work. However, it's kind of like reaching for a cigarette when you're stressed, right? It releases the stress, but it's very poor for your health. And it's really no different from a cigarette. Uh, so I do just try to encourage people to kind of have a word, a, a, an image in their mind that when they think stress and they think, oh, you know, this chocolate, this ice cream, this sugary coffee is going to make me feel less stressed. I want them to replace that picture of whatever it is they're craving with a cigarette because that's really what they're doing. And, you know, I just say, extend yourself some grace when you fall, but I do want you to associate foods with added sugar uh, with that cigarette that we all know is harmful for your health. And then I do try to encourage people to eat more plants. Um, I really ask patients to eat vegetables first, whether it's a cold salad or a cooked vegetable. I do ask them to fill half of the plate with vegetables. And then I do ask them to limit the starchy foods, especially women over 40. Um, we tend to overeat starchy foods, not that we can't have them at all, but I say, you know, if you have a big appetite, include a lot of vegetables, as many vegetables as you can eat um, to make you feel satisfied, limit your starches, and then just try to make your protein healthy. So I, I, I think those are kind of the, the basic principles. I try not to make it too much. Because, you know, when, when, when the new year comes around, oh, I'm going to exercise and diet and not have sugar and not do this, not do that. And then we don't keep it up. But I just ask people to pick one of those things, right, to avoid this, the sugar added foods or to eat more vegetables. I actually prefer if they really stress that one um, and to limit the starch. I think those three things will help us. I actually don't make any foods off limit. I just make uh, I just make guidelines about the amounts of each food, right? So if your birthday comes around, I actually encourage my diabetic patients have a slice of birthday cake, right? It's a tradition in our society. It makes you feel, um, you know, celebratory. And especially if you like cake, have that slice. Don't eat a whole cake, <laughs> right? <laughs> Cut it up and share it. And just celebrate your birthday right? on day, <laughs> right? Yeah, uh, <laughs> correct, correct. I, I just encourage them, celebrate one day for Christmas. I told them, um, avoid the foods you eat all the time. You can have mashed potatoes on any day of the year, 
but maybe you don't have the macaroni and cheese all the time. And so on Christmas, um, have your serving of macaroni and cheese. Our problem is we start celebrating way before Christmas and we continue celebrating way after Christmas. So my fourth bit of advice is when you do celebrate with food, limit it to that one day. Don't start early. And when you're done, you're done. Get off that little celebration track the very next day. Right. So I think that, you know, following those things, there are many studies that show, have shown a vegetarian lifestyle is linked with better health and longevity, but you don't have to avoid meat. Um, you don't have to avoid animal sources of protein. There are many societies that live to 90 and they're very, very healthy who do eat fish and cheese and that sort of thing. But in the American society, we have to have more vegetables, more plants, more uh, fruit um, in our diet than we currently do. Mm -hmm. now, you're a busy woman. You've got your life at home. You've got your life at work. What have you done to add some little positive steps in your wellness journey? Well, I will say that I did start trying to eat more plants before the pandemic started. It's, it's almost like the pandemic is BC and AD, right? <laughs> before pandemic, after pandemic. And so one of the steps I, I took with regards to diet is I try to have two plant-based meals a day. And I do try to limit the starch, but I don't make them off limits for myself. With the pandemic, though, I've really had to get more focused on the mental and spiritual health. And in retrospect, I really did not pay as much attention to that aspect of my life as I did before. Um, one of the things that I do is I take a day off uh, once a month. I feel guilty for doing it because I could definitely fill my schedule with patients on that day off. But I went a year without doing that. And for my mental health, it was not good. So last year and this year, I blocked my schedule in advance one day off per month. And I don't make any plans for that day. I just do whatever I feel like that day. And then for the spiritual side, I did not realize for me personally, how much I really relied on, you know, the spiritual work of others, meaning, you know, if, when I went to church, they had the sermon, and then they have study notes. And that's what I would use for the rest of my week. And I didn't necessarily do a lot of my own biblical research and spiritual work, that sort of thing. And so in missing church and in missing the small group I was a part of uh, that, you know, disbanded shortly after the pandemic started, you know, I do feel a little bit like an island and have had to make work of, be conscious and make a conscious effort, I should say, uh, for my own uh, spiritual well-being. Um, I don't know that I'm doing as well as I would like to, or I know I'm not doing as well as I would like to on that. But in a sense, it has been bad. Uh, in a sense, it has been good because, um, you know, it has forced me to look at myself and uh, what I was doing. Okay. So there's yeah. been a lot of self-reflection. Just Correct. Correct. Self-examination. Self-examination. Right. Just trying right. to put different things in place. Right. Help you move forward. I like your um, suggestion of having a day off once. Right. 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 I think it's definitely very beneficial. I remember when I was a student, um, I I was a, just a go 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 kind of person. 
And I met with my study skills teacher and she asked me, so when do you take a day off? (laughs) I'm constantly at it. And why don't you take Fridays off? Let's make Friday your day off every week. And it was amazing how that small change yeah, just brought me to a totally different place. And what I was struggling with was not a struggle anymore because I looked forward, to, I worked hard and I looked forward to that one day off. Right. And I had an opportunity to refresh right. on the next day. So right. it's that small, those small little changes that actually make a difference. And we've talked about um, wellness in terms of the benefits to your health, your body, your soul, your mind, and your spirit and relationships. But are there any hidden benefits that you would say I mean, it sounds like I'm really digging in there, but <laughs> <laughs> any hidden benefits that you would say just that overall wellness element provides? Anything else? Wow. I'm not too sure what you're asking, but um, staying in balance really, I think is what you mean by uh, wellness and avoiding being too work heavy, uh, too children heavy to food heavy you know anything that's out of balance not taking care of our mental health not taking care of our physical health we didn't talk much about the exercise side of it or physical side of it in terms of exercise but i feel like keeping life in balance is important there are a few books i've read about people that i admire and the one thing that i noticed has been a constant with all successful people is that they've struck a balance with making time for themselves. Uh, many of them meditate during that time. They've all, they all do some sort of physical exertion on, on a daily basis, not just once a week. Um, and it's a variety of things that they do, but they all make time to take care of their physical body. And they've all, you know, just to kind of use a colloquial term, they've all cleaned up their diet, uh, right? They're not eating a lot of processed foods. You know, one thing that I've had to educate my patients about is that, you know, a meal at a fancy restaurant can be just as unhealthy as a fast food meal, right? It's a lot of butters and oils and salt and tastes good, good quality food. But if it has too much added fat and salt and sugar, it's just as unhealthy for you. And so they've all really cleaned up their diet in terms of eating a lot of plants and uh, making their diet healthy. And then, you know, for many of them, their work really is their passion. It's the thing they love to do. And so they go um, all out for their work. But I believe wellness is about living our life in balance. Uh, We cannot as women devote our lives 100% to our family, because it will really be to our detriment. Um, Our children are going to move on at some point. And then we're just left just us, a person we don't know, and person who may not be healthy and well balanced. So that is what I really think is, is the secret. Life in balance, spiritually, physically, uh, with nutrition, uh, mentally, with, um, you know, having someone to talk to uh, when we're down and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you didn't say anything about technology. That's not, not to say I was like checking the list here. 
how do we keep that in check with the technology and with the pandemic? I mean, this stuff was happening before, right? The COVID and it's even more so now. Uh, People constantly on their devices. Now it's Zoom and the phone. And what do we do? Because uh, you're talking about balance and I I think we're totally out of balance. How do we address that better? Um, So, you know, the issue of technology is difficult because... I need computers to work. <laughs> and even when I'm on call now, you know, I have to log into my computer. Or, um, if I have an app on my phone, many, many doctors have that uh, to be on call to pull up patient records. So I don't want us to look at it necessarily as the enemy because many of us require technology in order to perform our jobs, to do our work. However, there, for me personally, there are a couple of, of rules that I follow. So one is, although we have a 24-hour news station, there's rarely any new news in a 24-hour time period. And for my patients who are anxious, I tell them that they can only watch news once a day. They can pick a time, but really just watch it once. So you can pick to watch the morning news, midday news, evening news, nighttime news, doesn't matter to me. And they will find that really the alerts we get every 50 seconds for those people who set them up on the phone, it's really not anything that is going to influence our life or change anything. And just commit yourself. We should stay informed. Commit yourself to just do one news cycle, one news time. And, And that's it. All the rest of it is opinion and repetition and fluff that really does not help our life for the positive. The second thing I do say is that for people who have trouble sleeping, uh, they need to turn off all electronics, including the television set an hour before bedtime. It's very addicting and we fuss about our children and electronics, but when we adults examine our lives, we're exactly like the kids. We're on the cell phone in the bed, we're watching TV and it's, you know, falling asleep in front of the television set, we're doing the same thing. And so if you're having a problem, feeling tired all the time, getting rest, falling asleep, staying asleep, no electronics for an hour before bedtime. Um, And then in this day and age, when everybody has their own electronic device, including our children, we have to be intentional about making time without technology. And so, you know, if you live alone, um, you know, that's gonna be a time when you go get a pedicure, whatever it is you wanna do, but you need to kind of schedule some time. You know, I would say on a weekly basis when there's no electronics, if you have a family, yes, your children will whine and cry, but you know what? When they're grown up, they're not gonna remember all the time that they played PlayStation. They're going to remember the time they spent with their family. And so if you can get everybody, I know the dads, it's sometimes hard to convince them to commit to an hour, electronics free, no cell phone, that sort of thing. But if you can do that once a week. It will draw you closer to your household members, to your family. And then one thing that my family does, I I don't know that is necessarily something everybody's family wants to do, but we do try to go on vacation to places where we don't have easy access to technology. So at least if we do a vacation, uh, there's no PlayStation. Yes, we have our cell phones, but we're going to, you know, try to make it 
inconvenient and difficult to get onto the cell phone. So the cell phone, the, the technology is a balance issue also. Most of us need it to do our work um, and, and to stay in touch, you know, using Zoom and that sort of thing to stay in touch. But I think it's important to carve out hard and fast times on a daily basis when we're not in it. You know, an hour before bed, um, we're not doing anything once a week with the family and consider, you know, maybe a weekend with a family with no technology. It requires a lot more planning, right? We've had to buy board games um, <laughs> during the pandemic <laughs> and we've relearned how to play Uno and Scrabble and Connect Four during that time. And guess what? There is no enthusiasm for it from my family, <laughs> but I just make them do it, right? They, they're like, the games are boring, but it's really just a good family time. Um, so if you're determined, you know, just stick through it, put up with the whining and the fussing and you'll reap rewards for it because it will be a memorable thing. That's good. My final question with you being on Candid Live, they always describe medical people as people on the front line. I think I'm on the front line as a teacher too, <laughs> you know, promoting health and wellness. What does it mean to you to live the candid life? Wow. <laughs> I think it means to live in the moment. I have had recently, you know, some sad moments in my life. And I have these things in the future that I look forward to and would love to do and make plans to do. But the past is done. I can't do anything about it. The future is not here. I can't do anything about that. But I can choose to live in the moment and make moment by moment decisions in terms of, you know, to, to, to use an example of what we've been talking about. I absolutely love chocolate, as you said, <laughs> and I do examine the chocolate I eat. Will I regret this piece of chocolate because I really don't need it? I'm really eating it because I'm lonely or I'm sad, or have I been thinking about this chocolate and it's something that I enjoy and I'm just going to do a piece and I'm going to be in the moment while I eat it and savor the taste of it on my tongue and the texture and the smell. Can you tell I love it? <laughs> and You're that self-first <laughs> self bite of a good piece of dark chocolate, right? If, if that's what I'm going to do, yes, have a piece of chocolate, not a chocolate bar. But um, you know, if it's because, you know what, everybody's out doing their own thing and I'm kind of feeling lonely and I could use a hug, maybe I just call my mom instead, right? So living in the moment, I really think is how I live a candid life in terms of trying to appreciate the time with you now. And when I go and join my family, appreciate the time with my family because my children will not always uh, be here. They're currently, well, Juan is currently here um, on vacation from work, but he's going to go back to his life and being in the moment when he's here with me talking to me. So that is what I believe it is. Dr. Karen, thank you so much for coming out to Canada Life. So family, I hope you learned something about what it means to live well. And I hope this message really hits home for you, what it means, how to do it, and the benefits. So listen to this podcast on Afropod, Spotify, 
Apple Music and YouTube and share it with friends and family. And please connect with me on livethecandidlife at gmail.com. That's livethecandidlife at gmail.com and subscribe and share the podcast. Until next time, this is Lydia Gago. Live the Candid Life 24-7. God bless you. Inaendeshwa na Afriboards.